You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hi there, hello, and a warm welcome in to Family Rules, the podcast. I could introduce myself as your host, which I am. I hope I'm considered a friend through the airwaves as well. My name is Brooke Walker. I'm so excited to be with you, mostly because... I'm so grateful for a chance to dedicate this time to exploring what's important to me, what I know is important to you, and that is family, parenting, what we can do to be better parents, to have stronger families, to strengthen our homes, not in these big sweeping general ways, but to really boil it down to tangible, actionable things we can do as parents, as grandparents, to help our family dynamics feel stronger. You're in for a treat today, and I don't say that lightly because our guest is a powerhouse of passion and energy. I am fortunate to count him as a friend, and I don't want to throw it back too far, but this this man has actually influenced me in my teenage years and has continued to do so uh, throughout uh, my adult years and into my career. But Brother Brad Wilcox was recently sustained, you might know, as the second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency. That happened in April of 2020. He's a professor of the Department of Ancient Scripture at Brigham Young University. He's authored many books, including The Continuous Atonement and also the BYU devotional, His Grace is Sufficient. I have to add, he's a children's book author as well, and I'm not just saying this because we'll be chatting, but he wrote a children's book many years ago called Hip Hip Hooray for Annie McRae. It's hands down my favorite children's book. I read it at least once a month in our at-home family library rotation, and I often share it with youth groups that I speak with as well. Brother Wilcox served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Chile and later returned to that country to preside over the Chile-Santiago East Mission. That was from 2003 to 2006. He and his wife, Debbie, have four children, eight grandchildren. He loves to read, write, teach, and travel. We'll add peanut butter M&Ms to the list and also pepperoni pizza, but he admits that doesn't sound so healthy, so we'll add salad as well. Learning to love salads, too. So excited to welcome Brother Wilcox, Brad Wilcox, to Family Rules, the podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, but I probably need to eat a few more, uh, a few more salads and a few less pizzas. <laughs> I'd stick with the peanut M and M's all the way. The peanut M and M's. Listen, I did just pull out that favorite beloved children's book of mine, "Hip Hip Hooray for Annie McRae." It was about two weeks ago now, and my daughter is starting to get the the pattern and the phrasing memorized. She'll fill in the blanks for me, and it's such a fun shared experience. So I'll continue to forever thank you for my favorite children's book. I'm so glad you've used that. I, I, I have a lot of fun when I go to the schools and I hear the little children screaming, hip, hip, hooray for Annie McRae. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, they'll say, hip, hip, hooray for me today. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just kind of fun to see kids respond to that. It's a great book about self-esteem, about inner confidence. And of course, other books you've written go deeper in themes, spiritual themes, religious themes. Brad, when did you know that teaching and inspiring through the written word was part part of your calling, was part of your personal passion. Did that hit early for you? Yeah, I think it did. Uh, I I uh, wanted to do everything. Uh, when I was growing up, I just had an interest in everything. I, I mean, there wasn't a class that I took that bored me. I mean, I just loved it all. Like math, science, and- English, all of it. <laughs> All of it. Wow. I was just so fascinated by learning. In high school, they gave us an aptitude test, and mine said that I should be a priest or a rabbi. (laughs) And that's just not good news for a little Latter-day Saint boy. So I went on a mission, 
And when I came back from my mission, I still had this enormous desire to study everything. And, and uh, finally, my dad said, you should take one of those career exploration classes. Mm. I said, Dad, those are for the people who don't know what they're doing. And he said, yep, you ought to take one of those classes. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. So I did. And they gave me another aptitude test. And I said, it's just going to tell me I should be a priest or a rabbi. And they said, well, this is BYU. We took that off. <laughs> Not an option. <laughs> I said, then what's next on the list? And it came back and said, elementary school teacher. And I thought, well, that's great because I can teach everything. You know, I, I, I can still continue to teach all my passions. And that was a wonderful choice because then I ended up moving into teaching teachers. And, and now in my work with the youth, I get to cover everything you know, I, I can speak and teach on everything that I feel is important to them. And it, it's been a wonderful chance to be able to share what I care deeply about, whether it's, like you say, self-esteem and a yeah. little children's book, or whether it's about the atonement of Jesus Christ. The things that matter to me, I can share, and hopefully that can help a few people. A few people, hundreds of people, thousands of people. I was in your EFY crowd, sir, back in the day, especially for youth, and I saw how you were able to move a room of young people in a really profound and meaningful way. I'm sure this answer changes all the time, but what's your favorite topic to teach on? If you're given the choice, Mr. Wilcox, Brother Wilcox, what would you like to speak on? What's the answer right now? I think the answer throughout my entire life has always been to speak of grace, to speak of hope, to speak of trying, to speak of not giving up. It's a message that I wrote about clear back in the late 70s, and it's a message I still write about today because I think that too many of us just decide that the only option when we don't feel like we're getting it right, the only option is to quit. And I just want young people to internalize the message that we just keep trying. And with God's help, which he so freely offers, we can make it through and we can become better for having gone through this. That's what you've learned, Brooke, since you were a young kid at EFY. You've learned to stick, stick with it, to hang in there, to keep trying. You've had your successes, which I've watched with great joy. Oh, You've had a few little hiccups along the yes, road. Sir. But you know what? That's what has allowed you to learn and to grow and to now be this voice for goodness and this voice of light all around the world. Oh, that means a lot. That means more than you know, especially coming from you. Thank you so much. You radiate positivity. You radiate energy. You know when Brad Wilcox is in the room. Has that been an, <laughs> is, is that a natural strength of yours? Is that a God-given characteristic that we've been blessed by, that you've been blessed by? Or are there days when even Brad Wilcox has to summon it up and try to push forward some positive energy? Oh, I think we all have to kind of dig deep some days. <laughs> but I'm grateful that... Uh, I I have typically felt this incredible optimism, and it's not because I'm naive. It's not because I don't see the problems sure. in the world. Sure. It's because I realize that through Jesus Christ, we have the solution. I often tell young people, the world is the Titanic, and it's going down, but you're in the lifeboat. <laughs> I you know? love that. 
how do you not how do you not be excited how do you not want to reach out and help others when you're in the lifeboat you know brooks some young people say i don't want to bring children into this world and i think they're seeing themselves as going down with the ship and they need to see themselves in the lifeboat and realize that as they bring children in this world it's part of the solution yeah it's not the problem yeah and to your point we have what we need we have what we need in that lifeboat to swim not sink Exactly. Yeah. Well, there are a number of topics. I mean, I could throw a dart at a board and I would feel privileged to flesh out and dive deep on any one of those topics with you today. Knowing your time is limited, our time is somewhat limited as well. I wanted to zero in on one that we've, we've touched on in just the last few minutes. That is passion finding your passion. And we'll target this conversation toward parents who are out there watching their own kids maybe flounder a little bit or try and fail as you described. But but how can we empower these kids to find their passion and use that passion to motivate them for good throughout their life? And, and you, you mentioned to me that the number one question seniors about to graduate high school are asking themselves isn't exactly what should I do with my life? There, there's a sublayer to that question. What, what are they wondering, Brad? What do you hear them? What do you hear them asking? Yeah, it was a fascinating study that I read that asked high school seniors what their number one concern is as they graduate. And you know, you would expect it to be which college should I go to? Should I get a job? Right. Um, you know what? And instead, the question was, can I make a difference? Can I make a difference? Um, and I think that that shows this desire, this upward reach within all of us that says, I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just veg. I don't want to just get by. I want to count. I want my life to count. And I want what I do to count. Now, that tells me that young people are looking for more than just a next step or what major to major in. A paycheck. A paycheck. Yeah. They're looking for a way to make a difference. And I hope that they realize that that as they continue to look for that, they're going to be able to find that passion, find the thing that they that they care deeply about and that they can help others as they follow that passion. I think the hard thing, Brooke, is that a lot of a lot of people think of a mission in life as something that is visual to others. Hmm. Uh, you know, hey, Brooke is doing her, her, she's fulfilling her mission in life because she's out there on TV, she's on the airwaves. So Brooke is making a difference. But we have to realize that sometimes it's the things we do that nobody knows, yes. that nobody sees. Yes. Those are the very things that matter most to God. And those are the very things that can make a difference. See, they see you when you're on the air, but they didn't see you when you were holding your little baby who was sick in the middle of the night and having a hard time falling back to sleep. Yeah. So do we just say that what you do on TV matters and what you did in that bedroom at two in the morning when nobody was there, not even your husband, because he was snoozing in the other <laughs> How'd room? How'd you know, Brad? How'd you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been that husband. But see, 
do we say that one matters more than the other? And I don't think we can. I think if we broaden our, our perspective, we realize that what I'm doing right now as the second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency is no more important than what I did when I was an advisor to a group of 10, 16-year-old boys in their preschool. And it's no more important than what I was doing when I was in the nursery. Hmm. And I served in that calling for years and years and years. What I'm doing now that's visual is no more important than what I was doing when my calling was to help an autistic kid make it through primary. And I held that calling for years. So, you know, I think when we talk about finding passions, we don't all have to be the president of the United States. We don't all have to be the senator. We don't all have to be the movie star. We don't all have to be the the sports hero. That passion that can help us make a difference can be something that is unseen by the world but viewed with the applause of heaven. Beautifully said. Beautifully said, as always. And and two huge distinctions, I think, jumped out to me in those wise words. The first being, you know, the service that's rendered in, in the quiet comfort of our own homes and to our own families. And I had a conversation. It's been about 10 years now with a dear friend. This is during the blog phenomenon when everyone was writing blogs and publishing blogs and social media was just taking off. And we know social media is very important to our young people. So this is why your comments jump out in this regard. But she was saying, I think I should start a blog. I think I should take everything I'm doing at, you know, at my kitchen table in the comfort of my home and put it out there. And we kind of went down this rabbit hole of why, knowing that would be a lot of work. And it boiled down to this idea that if no one sees it or likes it, as we do on social media, or applauds it outwardly for the world to see, does it really count? And she came to this own, it was a wrestle that she'd been working around in her own mind and came to her own conclusion that, wait a minute, what I'm doing does matter. Just because someone isn't seeing it doesn't make it any less important. So I appreciate that wisdom. I also appreciate Brother Wilcox, the idea that we have to make a distinction as parents because it's a little different than, you know, when my dad or mom, when they were growing up and finding their footing, or even when I was, you know, in those early 20s, you know, struggling to, to find my place. I was maybe a little more task oriented or I was was more of a box checker than the kids coming up today. I think it's important to maybe make that generational distinction that what motivated my parents or me isn't what's going to motivate these kids. You're saying they want to feel the difference that they're making, not just see the box that they're checking. Yeah, and sometimes they don't see the connection between the box checking and the difference. Yeah. They want to go out and start a nonprofit and they don't realize that there's a few things they better learn sure. before they start that sure. nonprofit. You have an exercise um, you like to take your students through. It's it's a it's a list, a couple of lists that they make. Tell me about this exercise and how it helps boil in and dial in to that passion. This is an idea I got from a wonderful teacher and a wonderful friend. His name is Randall Wright. He used to teach at EFY with me, and and he's taught in the church seminaries and institutes for years. But he would always encourage his students to write 100 goals and 10 heroes. And uh, and so it's a it's a practice I've adopted, and I continue to ask my students to write 100 goals and 10 heroes. And they always ask, 100 goals, that's so many. And I say, yeah, but by the time you get through 100 goals, you start realizing what matters to you. When you start seeing that 
50 of those goals have to do with family and your relationship with your future kids, then you start realizing what matters to you. When you start seeing that 30 of those goals have to do with international travel, you start seeing that this is something that matters to you. But they don't see it until they go through that exercise of saying, all right, what are the what are a hundred goals that I want to accomplish? Um, and you know, even in the new youth program, we talk a lot about goals, physical goals, spiritual goals, uh, social goals, intellectual goals. But young people need to make the connection between goal setting and developing faith. That's what we're doing. Elaborate more on that. What's the difference, or what's the connection? I should say. Well, it's not just goal setting, which can be looked at as that box checking experience. Right, right. But when we can transfer that to faith and realize that as we set and achieve goals, then we're developing faith and we are recognizing where the power comes from to be able to reach our goals. And that's what we want young people to learn. That's how come I tell the kids, I don't care what's on your goals. I don't care anything. I don't give you credit for having good goals or bad goals. I just want you to start thinking that direction so that then you can make the connection between goal setting, planning, and developing and exercising faith in Christ. You don't mind the goals they set. What about the heroes, Brother Wilcox, that they list? Should I be concerned if my child's writing down on that top 10 hero list a sports athlete that maybe isn't living, you know, by observation, the most value-based life? Or maybe, it, do, 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 I, do I worry if my child isn't reaching for examples or quote-unquote heroes that will hopefully lead them to that more value-based way of living? Um, I don't know that we need to be too concerned because as I've done this through the years with students, I found that the goals they set now are not always the goals they continue to set in the future. And same thing with heroes. I want them to limit their heroes because, boy, if you start talking to kids about heroes, they'll go on and on. But I want them to say, you know, you start talking goals and they're like, if they do four, they think, well, that's amazing. And then we talk about 100 and they go, I can't do that. (laughs) But by the same token, if we say, who are your heroes? Man, they start ripping out all the popular kids at school and they start ripping out teachers and sports heroes and movie stars. And I mean, they can get to 100 heroes just by listing the names of their cousins. (laughs) But I force them to boil that down because as they boil that down, just as they expand their goal list, as they boil down their hero list, they really have to start saying, why does this person matter in my life? And usually it's because the person is doing something or has a quality, a characteristic that they want to to achieve. So do we let them put a name on there that maybe we're thinking, I don't want Lady Gaga on the list. <laughs> I, I just don't want Madonna on the list. The kids, they don't even remember who Madonna was. I was going to say, but, you just aged yourself there, sir, but it's okay. <laughs> I know, but you get the idea. And we say, I don't want that person on the list. But what we can do is just as we try to move from goal setting to teaching faith, we want to be able to, to look at the, the characteristics of those people, not just what they're doing or what they're saying, but what got them to where they are. And we can usually pull a good characteristic, dedication, um, 
you know, we can pull something positive, even from a role model that we may not think is the best role model for a young person. We can still try to find qualities that are worth emulating. And so that way, if a kid chooses a hero that we're not too happy about or an activity we're not too thrilled about, skateboarding or, or, or playing games on the phone, I mean, we can always start saying, all right, what's a quality of that hero or what's a way that you can do what you're doing, skateboarding or video gaming, to help others? Not just to kill the time, but how can you use this talent you have to help others? See, right now, uh, if, you know, when, when so many people are locked down because of COVID, one thing that is helpful is to be able to go on the phone and play some games with some of those kids. Keep some of those kids motivated and not discouraged when they're in a quarantine. And that way, you're using something that may not be the activity you wish were on your kid's list, but you're teaching those kids that through that activity, they can make a difference in someone's life. And that's what we want to get to, is the characteristics, the activities that can make a difference. I love that. I love that. Meeting them where their passion is at and then helping them see the bigger picture. What about a child whose interests or passions seem to change on a dime? Like Monday, it's video games. Tuesday, it's painting. Wednesday, they're going to be a singer. Do I get concerned or should I be concerned about a child who can't commit to something, even by a, a, a more advanced age, like 13, 14, 15? They're just, they're just throwing it out there. Whatever hits them seems to stick. Yeah, and that's when I don't think we need to be the realists. We can just be the encouragers. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. My kid, Russell, when he was younger, said he wanted to be a taxi cab driver in New York City. (laughs) Russell. Um, And I was just like, you know, my wife was like, well, honey, that's not the best career for somebody. (laughs) And you might find out that, you know, I mean... He, he and and but he didn't need a realist at that moment. If a kid says I'm going to be a professional football player, it's not the time to say, well, but you know, you only you 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 don't really have those skills and talents. I mean, you don't need to be the realist. Life becomes the realist, and what they need from parents, what they need from teachers, is just the cheerleader who says, "Go for it." Go for it. Now, did his passion for becoming a taxi driver in New York City subside? Yes. He became a nurse anesthetist in California. But does he love New York? Yeah. Has he taken his kids there? Because it wasn't so much being a taxi driver. It was the excitement of that big city and what that offers. And yeah, he still feels that excitement about that city. But the the, the goal changed. And I think we just need to be the ones who are saying, go for it. Yes, you can do it. Um, and if they're, as their goals mature and change, and they will, my daughter was just sure that she was going to be this great cook. She loved 
cooking, hated following recipes, by the way. <laughs> it's a good place for any cook to start. Throw out the cookbook. <laughs> oh, yeah, throw out the cookbook. And she was just determined that she was going to become this world-famous chef, and she'd watch all these cooking shows. Well, did she become a world-famous chef? No. And she realized that she really doesn't like following recipes that much. <laughs> <laughs> but she just needed us to say, that's awesome, that's great, go for it. And as she matured, her goals, her passions also matured. And uh, and she became a uh, an English teacher. And now she's a mom who's staying home and helping her kids. And what she's learned through that whole journey, even though she's not working in a restaurant, what she's learned has helped her with everything else she's doing. It's the learning opportunity, the faith-building opportunity. Do you think to that point, every child has a passion? Every child has something that ultimately will spark their heart, spark their spirit, and fuel them forward in this life? I think everybody does have things they lean toward or lean against. I grew up in a family of four boys. My three brothers were all great athletes. I wasn't. I was going to say, what about the fourth brother? I, I wasn't. <laughs> I was the one who just didn't like to do it. And because I didn't do it well, then I didn't want to spend more time at it. But my parents were brilliant because they made me go to my brother's games to support them. But they also forced my brothers to come to my piano recital to support me. So for every game I went to for them, they came to a play that I was in at the high school. And that's the key, is not, I was so grateful that my parents didn't force me into sports because it would be good for me. I know that the lessons my brothers, and none of them became professional athletes, but the lessons they learned in teamwork, the lessons they learned in, in achievement and practice, they learned those in sports and that's helped them in their lives. But I learned some of those same lessons in student government and in plays and in musicals and performing. So, you know, is there a right or a wrong? No, but I'm grateful my parents fostered our desires, our interests. They gave us lots of opportunities and they expected us to support each other. I love that. Showing up one for the other. Well, that takes us to your childhood. So allow me to step back just a couple of beats. If you were to write that list, Brother Wilcox, of 100, 100 goals and 10 heroes, what's one goal and one hero that you think may have been on your list as a child or as a teenager? Oh, I know because I still go back in my journals and I find those lists. I remember one goal that I set was when my, my best friends growing up was Stephen Cap Perry. His mother is Janice Cap Perry, who writes a lot of music. Yes. So Steve and I, she would drag us into her living room, teach us the new song she was writing, and then we'd be the ones that would sing the song for the Mission Farewell or the Release Society lesson or whatever she was That's doing. That's amazing. So Steve and I were great friends, and I remember once when she was speaking at Education Week in the ballroom at the Wilkinson Center, and I remember singing some songs while she spoke, but I watched her speak and I watched the people respond to her and I thought, I could do this. I could do this. And I set a goal that one day I would teach at Education Week. Now, that may not be a goal that's on a lot of kids' lists because they might even not even know what it is. How old were you? I was just in high school. Wow. And I saw that and I said, I'm going to do that. 
And not only have I done it, but it's become a huge part of my life and my mission in life. Um, and I think similarly, you know, when you look at when you look at heroes, one of my heroes was Spencer W. Kimball. We felt about President Kimball the way that young people today feel about President Nelson and President Hinckley. I mean, he was our prophet. And I had the chance to meet him once. And in that exchange, he hugged me. And that helped me. The love, the acceptance, the validation I felt from his simple hug helped me find one of my missions in life. And that is to hug young people. Mm. And COVID is killing me. I was going to say, you've got, the, you've got the smallest bubble of anyone I know, and that's an ultimate compliment. So the air hugs <laughs> aren't doing it for you, are they? No, they're not. And those kids need hugs. They need to feel that validation that I felt in a prophet's arms. Now, the prophet can't reach everyone but I'm going to reach as many as I can and I'm going to give them that validation and that love that they need because I know what it meant to me. Hmm. So can heroes and their qualities transfer into a mission in life? Can, can heroes, can people help us set goals that will affect our futures? Yes, yes, I've seen it because I lived through both of those. Now, some people would say, yeah, but Janice Cap Perry... President Kimball. I mean, that's all really churchy. Well, Steve Perry and I fell in love with Dolly Parton. <laughs> we fell in love with her in high oh, school. Oh, get we in line. Who doesn't love her. a Dolly? I know. We had pictures and everybody thought that we <laughs> loved her because of what they were thinking that teenage boys were thinking about. But Why am I blushing? I'm her. an adult woman. Why am I blushing? This is hilarious. <laughs> We love Dolly Parton because she had this un unstoppable sense of self. Yeah. And she was so who she was. Yeah. And as the years have gone on, people have realized that it's Dolly Parton has never put on a show, even with all of her makeup and all of her outfits and all of her craziness. It's never been an act. It's just her, and she's so authentically her. Now, do I agree with everything she says and does? No, but I can admire that quality, and I can realize that that's what I want from me. I want people to see an authentic Brad Wilcox, whether that's in front of crowds of thousands or whether that's in my home with my grandkids. I want them to see who I really am. I don't want to put up a facade. And I learned that from Dolly Parton, of all people. <laughs> Yeehaw. So, I have the feel-good goosebumps. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> loving Well, let me tell you, you listening at home are hopefully feeling the warmth of, of companionship through our words. I'm seeing Brother Wilcox through a screen. And every time, I'm going to paint this picture for you, every time he talks about a parent's ability to cheer on a child or inspire a child toward passions or commitments, his hands go in the air, and there's like <laughs> these invisible 
pom-poms that he's shaking. So I want you to talk to me about the power of the parent pom-pom. Really, Brother Wilcox, what I keep wanting to say Brad, and I'm trying to be a little more formal and buttoned up here with the Brother Wilcox, but talk to me about the power of a parent. What can a parent, what can a grandparent do when they pick up those pom-poms and really give a child all they have, the cheers, the support, the accolades, the praise, in appropriate ways, of course. What's the impact of something like that? I have looked on that list that students have done for me of heroes and goals. I've looked on lists of, at this point, thousands of students. And in that list of heroes, when they really boil it down, I usually always find a parent. I usually always find a parent. And we have to understand that we think that because our our children are on social media, we think that they there are only influencers out there that are reaching them. But when push comes to shove, the influencers still that matter most are parents and family members. And when push comes to shove, kids will say that to you. They will say, the one that matters most is a parent. Now, sadly, some parents have let kids down And they put their walls up, they put their guards up because they don't want to be hurt again. But we have to remember that just because some parents have struggled, it doesn't take away the ideal that says we need to give these kids that security. We need to give them that support from family. We see the problem when that support is taken away. But we've got to realize that wherever we are in that parenting spectrum, we don't need to be perfect. We don't end up on a kid's list of heroes because we've never lost our temper and because we've never made a bad decision. We end up on that list of heroes because we're there and we care and they can feel that. So yes, we as parents can play a huge role. The power of peers, the power of outside influencers has definitely grown since social media has become a norm for our children. Mm -hmm. But parents are still, in every research study, parents are still the number one influencer. Which I think is esteeming, even as you say that as a parent, I'm sitting up straighter, I'm throwing my shoulders back. And in that loving message in the last 60 seconds or so, what I hear you saying is it's not too late. If I have messed up or if the walls have gone up in that relationship, it's not too late. My presence, my effort as a parent always counts. If we don't want them to give up, then we don't give up. We don't. We just hang in there and we keep going and we trust that no one on this earth is more invested in that child. No one on this earth cares more deeply about that child. And we just hang in there. And sometimes, you know, you hear stories of kids who make that turn around and then come back and thank parents for not giving up on them. But then we hear other stories of kids that never come back around in this life to say thank you. 
but it doesn't stop us from taking advantage of that intimate relationship that we have with that child, that we have within a family that can make a bigger difference than anything that happens outside of the home. We take that role, we take it seriously, we care, and we don't quit trying. Brother Wilcox, I love you and I feel your love. As you were speaking, it takes me back to the Wilkinson Center. Actually, as a 13-year-old, when I first felt your love for people, for youth, I felt that spark then and I, I feel it today. And I'm sincerely, sincerely grateful that you would take time out of your busy schedule to speak to well, us. Well, Brooke, if I were there with you right now, I'd give you hug, a big old hug. A big Brad Wilcox <laughs> hug. That's what the world needs. And hopefully we can do that soon, right? Health permitting, safety permitting. That's what I'm praying for. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Hey, love you too. Oh, I love that chat. I loved that chat, and I hope the vibrancy and the positivity that Brad Wilcox brought to the conversation just jumped right into your family life and right into your parenting heart. Today's topic was helping your kids find their passion, find their purpose. I think especially applicable to parents of preteens or teenagers, even grandparents wanting to maybe leave your mark or help them along as they try to pave their own path and find their own voice. If you found this conversation helpful, let us know. Leave a note, a rate, or review. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. I'm your host, Brooke Walker. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.